welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast, or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation, and as always, plenty of entertainment, and especially so in this episode. This is episode 81 of the podcast. How in the heck did that happen? It's our three-year anniversary next week since the very first episode went live in May of 2019 and what an adventure it has been so far. I can't wait to see what the next three years of podcasting brings and who we will get to meet through the show. I am still on a high after my American announcing adventures at the Intermountain Healthcare Ironman World Championships presented by Utah Sports Commission in St. George. Flying high, still buzzing and still full of fatigue from an epic week and some crazy jet lag. But wow, what an honour it was to be part of the announcing team for the event with Mike Riley, Paul Kay, Tom Zebart, Eric Gilson and Andy Riley. If someone had told me in the midst of the pandemic that we would work together at the Ironman World Championships in May of 2022, I would have told them they were dreaming. But it wasn't a dream, it really happened and what a privilege and opportunity it was to be the very first female announcer at an Ironman World Championship making a little bit of history as part of the overall story of this already very special World Championship, which in its own right will go down in history for many reasons. Not least the fact that it was the first ever Ironman World Championship to take place outside of Hawaii. And what a special place to hold this event. Utah is simply stunning, breathtakingly magnificent in all its glory. I can't wait to go back in October to the land of endurance for the 70.3 World Championships and spend a bit of time exploring the trails and the locality after the events before I come home. Congratulations to everyone who took part in the event. It was most definitely a challenging day for the athletes as many of you will have seen from the reports and the coverage of the race and as you will hear from Hillary in just a few minutes. I hit reality fairly quickly when I got back last Tuesday and have been trying to battle the fatigue and jet lag with little to no success. I'm hoping that over the next few days it will subside, but it's been pretty hectic since I came home and there's lots of things going on. In fact, as I was crossing the Atlantic early on Tuesday morning, like crack of the dawn, middle of the night early, I was messaging Helen from the Inside Try Show, God bless free Wi-Fi on the plane, and we came up with a plan to host an Ironman World Championship Special Edition of the Tri Commute this Friday night at 7.30pm Irish and UK time, featuring professional female athletes Kat Matthews, Ruth Astle, Laura Siddle, Fenella Langridge and Nikki Bartlett. And we will also be joined by this week's podcast guest, Hilary Hughes. Newistan have also come on board to power this event. So when you sign up to attend the Zoom meetup, you will receive a code for 20% discount off their Newistan products. Yes, 20%. And we will also have some gifts from Newistan to give away on the night. Check out their skin and body care products on www.newistan.com and register to join the Tri Commute on www.trytalkingsport.com. Next week, the 25th of May, I will host the Mind Dive webinar for Newistan, where Dr. Nia Flynn, sports and performance psychologist, will take us through a session to unlock our performance potential. Using the power of our mind to reach our goals, she will share simple techniques to break through mental barriers to achieve success and look at the use of hypnosis in modern sports psychology. Sign up to this event over on www.trytalkingsport.com. There are a few other events I want to mention before we get into the episode, including a reminder that we have a discount for Lakutra Castle Triathlon taking place on May 28th and 29th in Galway. 
And in fact, we have the same discount for all the Castle Race series events in the UK. So be sure to check them out and get yourself ready to race at one of the stunning castle locations. The Bear Group have also given us 10% discount across all of their events over the coming months, including the Wheelworks Fast Lane Half Marathon and 10K taking place this Sunday and the Joe Duffy BMW Clontarf Half Marathon and 5 Mile taking place in July. Check out the events on our website and keep an eye on the Facebook page to win an entry to the Wheelworks Fast Lane Half Marathon and 10K at the weekend. It was great to be back in the Phoenix Park on Sunday for the Athletics Ireland Irish Runner 5K sponsored by Sports Travel International, which was also the 5K National Championships. It was perfect racing conditions. Congratulations to the new national champions Ephraim Geedy and Keir Hickey and to everyone who participated in the event. The next race in the 2022 Irish Runner Race Series is the 5-mile event on June 12th, which promises to be another great morning in the park. Details of this event can be found on the Athletics Ireland website. Finally, before we get into this week's chat with Hillary, huge congratulations to Sean Hernan, Martin Dively and Adam Spear, who took the titles in the Wild Mayo Ultra 650k, 300k and 200k respectively. A challenging course to conquer. Well done to everyone who took part. The next event to be hosted by the team at Race Face Events is the Run Mayo 5k, 10k and half marathon taking place this Saturday at Ballinrobe Racetrack. Check out the details on our website. Phew. Okay, that's those done. I told you it was busy. Right. Time to grab a cuppa and get ready for a wild adventure with this week's guest, Hilary Hughes, who has taken the triathlon world by storm since first dipping her toes into the sport in 2017. The multiple triathlon national champion finished second in her age group and fourth amateur female at the Ironman World Championships in Utah in only her second ever full distance triathlon. Yes, second ever full distance race. Other notable results include National Middle Distance Champion 2021 and 2019, National Duathlon Champion 2021, Individual Pursuit Champion 2018 and at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships held in St George last year, she placed third in her age group. She has had multiple age group wins across Ironman Lanzarote in 2021, Ironman 70.3 Lanzarote 2019 and the Ironman 70.3 that took place in Dublin in 2019. Coupling her passion for medicine and her love of sport, Hilary has been on a journey of juggling time, training and energy in recent years to be the best she can be in both her professional and sporting career. Taking time out from medicine to focus on her sporting career was a big decision and one she didn't take lightly, but one that clearly has paid dividends in terms of her racing performance and success. Her passion for sport is infectious, as is her laugh. This episode of the podcast provides a glimpse into Hillary's life as she shares plenty of nuggets of inspiration that are sure to fire up your own passionate energy for your chosen sport. We laughed our way through this episode, but behind the laughter and the fun stories, Hillary Hughes is a determined, courageous and spirited athlete who will leave no stone unturned or any preparation to chance as she goes all in to be the best athlete she can be. Watch this space. There's a whole other chapter to be written by Hilary as she embraces her life in sport over the coming years. Now go and enjoy the show. Hilary Hughes, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. How is your American accent shaping up after a phenomenal time in Utah at the Ironman World Championships last Saturday? <laughs> Joanne, how are you? Um, I, I don't think I have picked up any American slang. I think I'm, I'm still very much a uh, country Irish girl. <laughs> Is everything not awesome? Awesome. The garage, the, the sidewalk, the, the trunk, the <laughs> garbage. The trash. Yeah, actually takeout. I definitely started saying takeout a lot instead of takeaway. So I had to correct that one. <laughs> 
Well, look, we'll knock the American out of you because it's already been knocked out of me and I'm only home three days. So um, it was absolutely so cool to see you in Utah um, at (laughs) (laughs) at the Ironman World Championships. And just to preface this interview, both of us are as giddy as two giddy kids really chatting. And (laughs) we were so giddy even when we met each other at bike checking because that was the first time I'd seen you in person in so long. So I apologize in advance if this podcast comes across as like too giddy and too hyper. We have to preface this uh, podcast as well by saying that we tried to get this show on the road so many times over the last six months. (laughs) I don't know who was ghosting who at what stage. (laughs) But there's a perfect time for everything. And this is the perfect time because... I think it's fate. It definitely is. is (laughs) What an incredible performance you put in last Uh. night. Thank you. <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about how well you did, um, the performance you put in, the swim. Okay, you said afterwards that you need to improve your swim a bit, but you were yes. the fastest bike in your age group, fastest run in your age group, second overall in your age group, fourth overall in the world in the women's amateur race. I mean, I, I genuinely have goosebumps saying this back to you. God, thank you. <laughs> but how does it make you feel to hear this? Like this is you we're talking about, not some random stranger from somewhere across the world. This is you. This is Hillary Hughes from Westport. <laughs> um gosh, I, I haven't really thought about it like that. <laughs> um this is me. It is just me do, doing my thing. <laughs> oh no, it was incredible. I it was I was really delighted. I was thrilled uh, with the result. Um I think you know, it was only my my second ever Ironman full distance, so I didn't really know what to expect. Um, so that puts you in the same category as Christian Blumenfeld because it was his yeah. second only ever Ironman too, and he's now yeah. the world champion. Yeah, and he, I think he had a bit of not that I am comparing myself to Christian Blumenfeld, but he had a bit of a disaster in Dubai at seventy point three, and so did I. So going into the race, you know, it was like okay, second time doing the full distance Ironman. You know, there's so much to think about apart from actually being fit. It's, you know, it's like a whole adventure out there, you know, getting your nutrition in, just, you know, maintaining your concentration. It's a really long bike. And then I had kind of, you know, a shaky start at the season of the season. So I was a little bit like, oh, God, there's there's a lot to contend with here. So honestly, thinking about results was not really there. It was more about let's get, you know, a good performance in. Let's have a steady pace throughout the day um and and finish the race um and then see see where that gets me so yeah and and I think it was even from if you look at what the professional athletes did and certainly on the male side it certainly was a case of just pace it right Mm. to get on the run and then if you have it in the tank then you make your move on the run because that bike course was incredible uh it was insane it it was I mean it was an amazing course I absolutely loved it um you kind of you know you're 40k in and or even 50k in and then you're starting a 40k um gradual climb and then even the descents were difficult enough because they were so fast that you really did have to kind of stay on your game you couldn't switch off um and then I don't know what going up to Snow Canyon I'd done it so many times um and you know it was it was relatively okay and like I'd done hard efforts medium efforts easy efforts oh my god going up through snow canyon was one of the hardest things i've ever done on a bike the it just like the wind dropped and the heat just was smashing down on us 
And yeah, it was just, it was so tough. I kind of got a, like a wobbly moment of feeling like, God, I could pass out here. Um, luckily, though, I had uh, some supporters on course. So Annalise was up there um, with her boyfriend, Keen, and they had music blaring. Um, <laughs> we have this song called Du Hast. It's a big uh, rower song. Uh, it's kind of like rock music. So Annalise had that blaring, shouting at me with the Irish flag, and it kind of brought me to again. And then you had that descent. So once you got through Snow Canyon, you knew you had a descent to recover um, to, to, before you started the run. But uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a war of attrition out there and kind of just keeping your head and, and, and keeping your, it was your own race, really, um, at least in the, the age groupers. <laughs> and then when you came in off the bike course, of you, that you had to run up the hill. I was calling it the Hoka Hill at the hot corner, oh, but it was a straight geez. up hill. Yeah. Well, I had done the 70.3 champs um, September, October last year. So I knew what to expect. Um, and I knew that diagonal, diagonal street. <laughs> ingrained burned in my memory forever but yeah you basically jump off the bike um you you get a there's a water station or an aid station straight away and then you are climbing for 5k essentially it wasn't as severe as it was in the 70.3 it was a little the gradient was a little more reasonable (laughs) however you hadn't done an 180k bike so it still felt pretty tough and also, um, the heat was fairly beaten down on that side of town as well, again. So Diagonal Street was really hot. So when I started off, I was like, oof, this is going to be a hot run. But then once you kind of get to the first, the, the top of that 5K, the first 5K, you know, you descend then for 5K um, and actually you kind of cool down a little bit. And, you know, that allowed the legs to open up and start flowing. So you kind of got to recover again. Basically, like, okay. This marathon is four 5k climbs. That's all you have to focus on. And then on the downhills, just, just let your body go. Just let it go, let it flow, get as much speed as you can. So it kind of helped actually to break it up into to four climbs, um, I found. <laughs> Coming down the hill for the very last time, back towards yeah. the hot corner to do the little dog leg, the one mile or the half mile out and back before hitting the finish line. What was that like? Oh, uh, do you know, so I, I had my dad my mum and my brother Annalise and Keen on course and they were kind of around at different areas and so when they first told me they were like at the say in the first 5k they're like you're in fifth place and I was like oh fifth in my age group and they're like no fifth overall I was like what wow okay didn't expect that that's really cool um so I suppose I was like okay let's protect that position a little bit because you know it's it's a good result it's a solid result um and I I would walk away with that very happy and a marathon's a long way so you know let's not get greedy here so I was like pace it well um so then you know you're always you know I suppose you're always a little bit on edge that you might blow until about the last 5k and especially when the last 5k is downhill I was like okay I I am actually going to make it home and I'm going to make it home in fourth position. This is insane. So, yeah, I did actually just with maybe 3K to go. I was like, you know, let's have a little think about how epic this is. You've had, you know, an amazing trip out here, meeting brilliant people. You've had your mum, your dad, your brother. They've had a ball and lease with Niall McCarthy in the house with us, his mum. It had been an epic trip and this was just the the cherry on top. Um, and yeah, I, I, I guess I just took a little while to let it sink in. Um, and it, it was a lovely feeling to be able to do that. And um, sometimes, you know, you'd be fighting for a position and you're just focusing on emptying the tank. But I, I kind of cruised in and just just soaked it all up. It was really fab. And then what did I hear? 
But Joanne Murphy's voice knifing me over the line. And I wanted that for so long because you missed me in Dublin 70.3 and I was devastated. So like, honestly, that was epic. And then it was like, when I heard your voice, I was like, where's it coming from? And like, you can see me as I cross the line. I'm looking left, right, up, down. And I couldn't see where you were. So then I was just like, just celebrate that she's calling your name. And I wasn't meant to be on the finish line. Like I didn't expect to be on the finish line at all. And when I met you in bike check and you were saying, I can't wait for you to call my name. And you'd said, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I can't tell her before the race. Yeah. But I won't be on the if finish you, line. So. Jordan, if you had told me that, honestly, I would have been devastated. I think like it would have taken away from my motivation on the day. I was determined I was going to cross that finish line and you were going to call my name. <laughs> and it was so funny because I had actually said it to Mike and Paul. I said, oh, Hillary Hughes from Westport is going to do really well, really excited to see your race or whatever. And I'd been on the hot corner. So to explain to the listeners, the hot corner was yeah. where the riders came in off that big hill, off the bike into T2, and then they ran back out of T2 and back up the hill. So I saw athletes yeah. six times um, at that hot corner because the run course was a two-loop course, but there was a little jagged leg off yeah. the roundabout the last half a mile out and back and then into the finish line so I saw athletes all the time so I stayed for as long as I could until the as many female professional pros are to the finish line but the boys were yeah. like Joanne you have to take a break and I was like I can't now I can't like I'm in my flow <laughs> I'm not taking a break in the hot corner and then so I left for a few minutes and I came back in time to call one of my favorite pros in. and yeah. then I was like okay I'll take my break now and then I was like okay where's Hillary Hughes because if I am not at the hot corner on the microphone when <laughs> comes in, I will never forgive myself so I was tracking you and yeah. then the next thing I get a message from Mike saying come to the finish line and I was like what what finish line okay not now so I ran up and I was like are you okay he goes yeah yeah pick up a microphone I was like what he goes yeah pick up a microphone I thought oh my god is this actually really happening and all I could think of was like this is epic but where's Hillary Hughes (laughs) Mike calls so many athletes over the finish line you know and the next thing I saw your name I was like she's mine can I can I call it I was like sorry Hillary if you wanted Mike Riley calling across the finish line (laughs) because it was my job and then it was so lovely to run down from the tower and to give you a hug and be like you've done so well and you were were actually there they were trying to usher me on I was like no no she's coming down I I have to get a hug and and, and I don't I'm sure you won't mind me saying but you said no I'm really sweaty and I was like I don't care (laughs) oh I was like this is disgusting for Joanne but if she's in for a hug I'm in for a hug uh yeah so that was it so that was a very um I mean that was a very special moment for for both of us um yeah I mean you uh, you like let's talk about your race no 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 let's not minute. talk about my race for the moment no we'll come back to that later on let's <laughs> okay. keep going about Hillary's race so okay. we had that epic crossing of the finish line moment how did you feel afterwards in in the immediate aftermath did you you mentioned there that on the run course you needed to pace it well sometimes you're thinking you need to empty the tank to get to the finish line you didn't really need to go any faster to get that yeah. position so how are you feeling crossing the finish line I suppose is really what I'm asking yeah, no, it's a strange one. Do you know? Um, I think, as I said, it's it's only my second Ironman full distance, so you're still really learning about what what you can do in the race. Um, so I think, look, I I was really I was very comfortable throughout a lot of the race, and that was a, a definitely a purposeful um move because you can feel comfortable at the beginning and you mightn't at the end. And that's not to say that I wasn't dying at Snow Canyon and I definitely my legs were getting sore towards the end of the run. But I never I was never fighting or, you know, um I suppose 
going into the red um because I my main mission honestly was to ha- come back with a solid solid performance not even solid results so- something that I was happy with and still learn the dynamics of the full distance so I crossed the finish line I felt great you know I was thrilled um it's always this I, I just find it the most incredible feeling even in the half um it just feels like such an adventure you know from the start of the swim to the finish line there's just miles and miles to go and you just don't know what's going to happen and you know loads of things always happen out there it's like it's a whole world of activity and there's always so many stories so I think when you finally do get to the finish line it's like that is unbelievable I've actually made it to a finish line again wow and yeah I was very I was comfortable I was happy I found my mum my dad and least the gang and my legs were you know tired but like there was no nothing nothing major I suppose and so I think now reflecting back on it I I'm excited to see what it's like to go into the red and to to put everything on the line and risk blowing up and you know I think that's that's the next step you know I've done it in in cycling races and you know shorter triathlons where you're just like I'm I'm just going to pretty much go for it and and you know if I blow up that's that's fine because that's what I know I'm doing um so yeah it's it's exciting (laughs) how did you celebrate oh god what did we do um we oh I know what we did sorry sometimes I forget so we went back to the house and um Annalise and Keen had bought a load of barbecue food and we were staying actually in the the ledges community so it was just a rent a rented house that was about 13 minutes from the top of snow canyon highly recommend it if anyone's going there um and as i said there was niall mccarthy his mum Annalise keen my brother mum dad so there's a great crew of us so Annalise and keen got the barbecue on and made like the most epic <laughs> barbecue and they had it was gotten... my invite <laughs> They had gotten um the day before they had told us they had gotten these like cinnabons from uh, did you hear of River Rock Roasting Company over in Zion Park? It's a really nice coffee kind of cafe, but there were these huge big buns with like lots of icing on them, and they got one for one for me and one for Niall. Um, so yeah, we just had like lots of fun um wine, beer, barbecue, um cinnamon buns, ice cream, and least just gave me the the tub <laughs> she was like that's yours um and then yeah I we had some laughs recall the day and then I went to bed <laughs> and then the next day you stood on the stage as the second fastest athlete in your age group with your Omeka bowl yeah. held high in the sky yeah. yeah it was cool bit early though eh oh you're telling me <laughs> like, I couldn't mean, leave when it was 10 a.m I was like are you kidding me <laughs> what time did you get to bed at oh I mean probably probably midnight I, I don't oh, I really don't remember two o'clock yeah, yeah we were two up for 24 sure you were hours. on the line until what time well, did the, did, uh, did the last person cross the line crossed the finish line I think just before 1 a.m and then by wow. the time we we had tidied up we were home and in bed at 2 a.m <laughs> <laughs> you you were very fresh the next morning considering nice. I'd forgotten that um so speaking of feeling fresh how are you with the jet lag since you've come home so I'm home since Tuesday afternoon and today is my second day in a row where I haven't had to take a nana nap for 19 minutes so I'm very proud of myself but you're home since I know Wednesday afternoon you got back to Westport yeah Wednesday afternoon um uh, I actually to be honest like my legs are as fresh as daisies and body 
muscularly is ready to go but I am jet lagged <laughs> I just like last night at 4am I was bouncing around the place ready to go making plans taking over the world and then <laughs> when I finally woke up this morning I was like I can't get out of bed my mom had to come up and be like Hillary, are, are you getting up I was like this is awful I feel like a lazy teenager <laughs> Uh, you've just done an Ironman, world championships, traveled halfway across the world. It's okay. So before we kind of move on a little bit, I want to come back a bit. I do this with everybody. Mm-hmm. I want to find out, you know, where did this appetite for sport come from? Where did this interest in sport come from? You know, as a kid, were you very active? Because you're only in the sport of triathlon and cycling in very recent times. Mm, I know. Yeah. A latecomer. <laughs> to be honest I feel like it's a very convoluted pathway so I'll just kind of give you the highlights and I definitely I was into horse riding as a kid and loved it and competitive and you know did all Ireland's and show jumping and that was absolutely my passion and so I suppose there was you know discipline and competition and all that kind of thing there um but it was definitely my brothers and sisters that were the big sporting um people in my family you're the the eldest of all the siblings the eldest yeah Yeah. so I literally I used to look up to my younger siblings in awe genuinely I thought they were fantastic amazing and it was never something that really I I considered that I could do you know they were the athletes um and I I was in awe of them and loved supporting them and it wasn't even something that I I necessarily aspired to I was just it it didn't seem like an option and I don't know why because I never really tried either but anyway, went to boarding school um, and kind of couldn't get in fourth year and couldn't really keep up the, the horse riding. At the same time, my younger sister, Pamela, started um, and she started in first year. And she was a really like, you know, she was winning cross country all Ireland's, 800 meter all Ireland's, high jump all Ireland's. And she joined the same year as Sarah Tracy. So Sarah Tracy was uh, an Olympian who represented us in steeplechase and as, you know, represented Ireland multiple times as well. So basically the two of them um, started up a cross-country team and Sarah's older sister, Fola, decided that if my sister could run, then I can run. So <laughs> she basically bullied me and she'll admit that into running a cross-country race. So I went out the day before the cross-country race, ran the distance, see could I do it, I could do it, went and ran the cross-country race and did a bit of running from then on until early university. And then, to be honest, after that, just enjoyed college, kept fit, you know, throughout the years doing different things always doing a little bit of running body pump Bikram yoga bit of spinning you know whatever was on um I've just always loved having a little bit of activity always balances out study whatever's going on in life gives you the endorphins I'm addicted there's no two ways about it always happen um so yeah always something going on activity wise and you know might pop into that 10k race um but never like looking at time splits nothing like that no proper training compared to what we do now and then I think really when it kicked off was uh, I did the cycle against suicide and um, the first round of that uh in 2013 I'm gonna say I'd never ridden a road bike nothing like that knew nothing about them but decided to do the first seven days of that and it was an incredible experience um apart from the actual cycling so we cycled 100k a day 
Um, and then we got to day seven. And I was like, so you just said it was an incredible days. experience apart from the cycling. <laughs> yeah, like it's in, <laughs> the cycling was amazing too, but like it was, you know, calling into different schools and promoting mental health awareness. And there was just such a buzz and, a, a, you know, an outpouring of conversation around mental health and suicide awareness. Um, and it was incredible. Uh, the cycling was, you know, uh, interesting. Like, for example... I thought the best thing to do was to wear two pairs of underwear under my bibs to protect me. I <laughs> the more padding, the better, right? Did then, nobody tell you the no knicker rule? No, I had oh, no God. idea. No idea. It's so mortifying looking back. My two pairs of good underwear. Then I put on leggings. Then I put on the bibs. Then I uh, I left the the bibs you know the like the actual straps I left them down because I saw someone else leave them down so they were hanging down for the the whole 14 days because I don't know I just thought that's what you did I had like I did the whole thing in my runners and like in cages you know the clip-ons where I didn't even know they existed before I went to cycle against suicide um like I had a big woolly ski hat on under my helmet you know really like I had about five layers on top it was but you know like isn't that the best like I was in my element and happy out and I just think sometimes like that's you know the the sweetest time in sport when you're just getting stuck in and you're you, you're not bothered about any of that stuff um well you don't know any better yeah so you're and doing that's what's the best beauty you. of it yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so yeah anyway um after that then I I guess I did a couple of triathlons, but nothing, you know, I was just kind of on the buzz of like, let's get stuck into other adventures. And one of those was triathlon. Um, and it was really only then 2017, I'd done a couple of triathlons, had qualified for, you know, the age group um, uh, competitions, I think Europeans and worlds. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Another opportunity. I'm going to go for this. So I t- took on a coach, Ronan McNamara from Sligo, and he did some bike testing on me. And that was the first time I had any bike testing. He was like, hey, you're actually you're good and I was did like you, can I ask did you have boob shorts on without underwear this time I say I did <laughs> yeah no it was a long time though before I realized that you didn't wear underwear like I think it was probably in around 2017 that I figured it out like it was a while <laughs> and it was a long time before I wore cleats as well I was like I don't see I can keep up with everyone without the cleats I don't see the need for these dangerous things that could cause me to fall off the bike <laughs> And we've all fallen off the bike the first time we've worn the cleats. In fact, oh, probably fallen off stop. the bike four or five terrified. times in the first spin. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Like the first junction, you come out, you're like, oh, how do how do I do it? <laughs> and you're it's not terrifying. I know, clipping in, clipping out, <laughs> flying it. Still only on the right side though. I wouldn't risk the left. <laughs> if my left foot ever comes on unclipped, it would be a serious balance issue. <laughs> Oh no, I'm trying to think, do I unclip my left or my right leg? Don't. Oh, I un- I'm right-sided, but I unclip my, do I, un- oh my God, I'm going to have to go on the bike and check after the interview what I do. Uh, I'm practicing my cycling here while I'm talking. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> my legs are going 90 under the desk here. Hang on now. Come to a stop, do pull you- the brakes, clip. Oh, I'm going to have to go check. I- I'll-, I'll check and come back to you and tell you. I- I'll check, I'll have to check. <laughs> so anyway let's fast forward again um so yeah you sorry the... I told you it was convoluted and I, I was know, like I'll fine. only give you the highlights <laughs> it's just like an adventure it's like the adventure yeah. with Hillary Hughes so you did the bike testing and Roman yeah. decided and to then basically the bike. yeah and Cycling Ireland then put out um for talent 
talent transfer project. Um, and I was like, oh, hey, this testing thing is cool. I'll get more free testing. Give it a go. Did it, got selected. Um, and it was a talent transfer for um, track um, track endurance and for team pursuit specifically. Um, so basically you did it, you got selected to do six weeks of specific training with them. Um, and then it was about the improvement that you made in your certain um, tests. So in a, I think it was like eight seconds, uh, three minutes, and there might've been some other test. So then it was put down to eight of us. And basically that started my journey. So we did, we started bike racing. I did my first Ross Naman. I got destroyed. It was devastating. We got dropped every day. We didn't know what was going on, but it was epic and we finished. And then we moved out to New York as a team pursuit, four of us, myself, Orla Walsh, Mia, Griffin and Imogen Cotter. And we had a ball of a time, like none of us knew anything really about cycling to be honest didn't never mind track bikes and a velodrome um but we ramped up really quickly um and within six months we competed in our first world cup um in team pursuit which was just bananas and then I probably stayed at that team for a year um Alice Sharp and Kelly Murphy came on board and then basically I went back to medicine um, at the end of that year but we had an incredible time out in New York at training and I suppose that's really where the kind of the elite level I got the bug um and kicked off although I was ready to let go of it and go back to medicine um and then that summer I just started doing triathlon again it kicked off and uh again I just loved it so it's not necessarily that I'm chasing elite level it's more just that I get stuck in and you kind of get brought up towards that that and I, I guess end. you're getting the best of both worlds with this cycling being part of triathlon so you're getting yeah you know, the swim and run yeah. and clearly your not that your swim isn't good but clearly your run has come on phenomenally as well because you ran a savage marathon on Saturday yeah I yeah I'm really lucky um I don't know my, my dad was a big runner ran lots of marathons um and it's kind of in the family a little bit um, and obviously my sister was an amazing runner so I don't know maybe having ran in school and things like that helps as well you know you kind of just have it's there it doesn't really go um, so yeah it's it's definitely coming along and I, I really enjoy it as well. <laughs> when I look at the results that you have and um, I don't know how many results we pulled out uh, to look at but I highlighted <laughs> all the ones where you were a winner and the yeah. champion either the national champion the race winner the age group winner it's incredible. I'm, I'm just looking here. You had the ITU Abu Dhabi Sprint Triathlon first overall 2021, the Masmar Dubai Standard Distance <laughs> Triathlon first female, Irish National yeah. Duathlon Championship last year, Irish Middle Distance Championship winner last year, Ironman Lanzarote first in your age group, first at the 70.3 Hardman race. Connacht TT Championships winner I mean the list goes on and on like and I know we only pulled out back as far as 20 um 2018 but really it was only 2017 where you kind of put the head down and and really started yeah. like that's a phenomenal achievement you mentioned you went back to medicine but you went to college and studied business and law in UCD and then worked in Google and then yeah. ended up doing medicine yeah E- equally convoluted and um, I'm not going <laughs> to drag that one out like I just did the sports <laughs> I'm really sorry if anyone is still hanging on and listening thank you I'll keep the rest of it short <laughs> um, yeah my first degree was business law worked in business worked in Google for a couple of years and then went back and did medicine and then worked in that I'm kind of mixing both currently as well Okay, so where are we now with medicine? Because we know where we are with the sport and we know what pathway we're potentially going to be going on. But where are we with the medical career? What what are you doing work-wise 
outside of sport or are you working outside of sport? Yeah. So um, in the medicine side of things, I was really lucky to be offered a GP scheme um, last year and it was actually where I wanted it in Sligo. So I got it. There was a lot of turmoil making the decision um, last year whether or not I'd go for it. I think to be from my point of view, um, having kind of experienced balancing, you know, three years of medicine um, with sport, I just there were just points where I got to breaking point, covered in cold sores, completely run down, felt I wasn't giving, you know, my best to either or, you know, half doing things. And I just that just just kills me. Um, so I basically decided with the GP scheme, I was like, I'm not doing it again. I'm not going to do the GP scheme and still pursue sport. And then I was like, okay, so I'll just do the GP scheme. And then I was like, I'm not ready to let go of sport. Um, you know, I just, I'm, it's, it's unfinished. There's just more I want to get out of myself personally, more than anything. Um, I realized, you know, now is the time um, for sport and not, not in another eight years. And I don't want to be the person in eight years time looking back on, oh, do you know, I had this great opportunity to see what I could get out of myself, but but I didn't. So I let go of the GP scheme. And then I just was working kind of in with occupational health, vaccinations, whatever part-time work I could find within the medical field that allowed me to, to continue sport and not be exhausted. Um, but at the moment, I'm kind of taking a break from it. I'm doing a, a, a course in aesthetic medicine, which I find really interesting. It's really hands-on, um, which I enjoy. So I'm doing that on the side. Um, and then I'm also working in business side of things in the family business um, I'm a director on the board of Carrie Gunn which I'm really enjoying as well um so I don't know where it's going to go but I'm I'm I suppose I'm dedicating most of my time to sport at the moment but still tipping away um or more than fair bit of work involved being a director it's not like wouldn't take it lightly you know I don't know maybe somewhere then in the future I can amalgamate business medicine sport you know that's the dream so <laughs> we'll see so where has the fire for sport come from? Is it the success that you've been having and that it builds on that every success you have builds that fire more, stokes it more, ignites that passion within you? Or is it just, as you say, you want to get the most out of yourself, you want to go into the red, you want to prove to yourself how good you can be? Where does that come from? Where does that burning desire for success in business or medicine or sport come from? <laughs> um honestly it's not it's for me it's not really the winning um it's not the and, and don't get me wrong it's such a great feeling to to win and to to be up there on a podium but I, I just love it I love pushing limits seeing how far you can go you know seeing improvements um I love the feeling after training um you know the feeling after racing I love the days out where you meet other people where you see people you know pushing their limits um I just constantly motivated inspired by that um be it someone you know doing their first 5k and not even sure they could fully run it to you know that's just as inspiring and motivating and I buzz I buzz off that hard which might sound a bit weird but I really do it really really gets me um so yeah I think the fire comes from it's it's my happy place training um competing the people that I get to meet doing it um and I and I just want more of it that's that's really it and 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 you know 
finding the limits of, of what I can do um, is definitely a, a big motivator as well. So we haven't found the limit yet. Like Lionel Sanders, there's no <laughs> limits. No limits. <laughs> Lionel, he is incredible. He's something else. You might listen into the, the show. Level. We might get him on it at some point if we hey, can. Lionel. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your current training or maybe your training and preparation heading into the Ironman World Championships. You know, what did that entail? in terms of swim, bike and run and recovery? So I'm training uh, with a coach called Merlin Maud at the moment. Um, she's under the Endure IQ group. Uh, Dan Plews is the, he- the head of that. So I started working with her after Ironman Lanzarote last year. Um, more just kind of getting specific programming um, because I was, you know, coming into specific races, I didn't feel able to adjust their regular programs for myself. Um, so yeah, she's kind of, I think, getting a handle on me <laughs> and, you know, uh, I suppose I wouldn't be a huge volume person, you know, um, I like, I absolutely would do long rides and things, but within a week I wouldn't manage to get, you know, 20 hours in a week is a, is a really big week for me. Um, two 20 hours back to back is a really big week, but it, I am also, I suppose early on, as you said, you know, I only really started any sort of specific training in 2017. So constantly building. And I really appreciate that she can kind of get that and is willing to work around that and still get the most out of me. So swimming has been a work in progress for the last six months. It's probably the first time I've had consistent swimming for six months. I had some consistent swimming with Hup Hup, um, but then COVID kicked in and it, it was a disaster and big gaps. And, you know, I was back to ground zero. So she'd been really good with that and um, just, you know, shorter sessions, not the volume that others will be doing yet and um, building all the time. Um, the bike, I think the biggest changes, say, within the last few months coming into the Ironman, it was probably a lot of the upper zone two kind of tempo training, those longer, steadier efforts. They're a little bit boring, <laughs> but <laughs> they've got to be done. You know, I, I'm used to being able to go out in the bike and like put in digs and you know those really hard like vo2 max efforts which i love um but they paid off dividends you know um and they need it needed to be done so i i got stuck into them and just turned my, my mind off i'm um, very satisfying when you finish them <laughs> um and then with the run coming into um the iron man i just really conscious of the hills um so was up and down there's a lovely route up the back of Crow Patrick it's about a 4k climb so I was up and down that a lot and um, just getting the legs used to that that up and down up and down um, and probably focused on that more than speed um, was was the hills um, did a little bit of um, tempo work on treadmills as well I find that is quite good um, for minding the legs a little bit when the load is high but yeah that, that's it nothing, nothing too special or exciting just and what about recovery then? How you used to recover after the sessions? You know, was there particular routines you did? You're going to tell me now that you do loads of strength and conditioning as well, uh, like we all should, but I don't do. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. I'm big into recovery. I have to be honest, big into it, <laughs> especially because it involves sleep. Yeah, I'd seen a great physio here in Westport Physiotherapy. Um, Neve, she, I see her once a week, no matter what, and um, just so I have that kind of backup. Um, I do two strength and conditioning sessions a week. Um, definitely, uh, you know, from the background of track and cycling, we did a lot of 
weightlifting and strength then and I just find it so beneficial and then I am a foam rolling queen so I will foam roll and stretch at least five nights a week I'll put on Netflix and I'll just get on my foam roller and chill and foam roll everything how can you say foam roll and chill when (laughs) I would be screaming the house down on my or hamstrings I know yeah it takes it takes a while but once you get in like once you kind of got past that awful pain it it becomes just like really good <laughs> maybe that'll be my June challenge foam roll for five minutes every day try it honestly <laughs> oh yeah I mean it doesn't work for everyone I think like those um you know those guns they're really good as well I have one of them yeah I find them really helpful I don't know do you know half of it might just be up here in in my head um but it it works and you know I've been oh god touch wood I've been really lucky I have bit stayed injury free um so I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing (laughs) okay so I'm gonna get a cheeky plug in here now for Nuristan the skincare and body care range who have an active CBD gel I'm gonna get them to send you some products to try those out as well because I think they'll help with your recovery and that active CBD gel is a game changer so maybe that'll be my treat every day I do my foam rolling I'm allowed (laughs) to put some of it on my legs because normally I wait on I, I use it regularly but generally after a big hard bike session because that's when I get the most benefit out of the product um, okay. but yeah we'll definitely need to send some to you yeah, to people, people swear by CBD I'd, I'd definitely be interested to to give it a go um, yeah. I haven't yet so yeah so we'll see maybe that'll become part of your recovery routine um, I'll let you so know. The, the, other, <laughs> the other piece we need to look at or I'd like to look at is nutrition and especially for Utah because it was so hot it really was. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was in the end. I know the water was 17 degrees, which was quite bammy for us, but cold yeah. for a lot of the international and American yeah. athletes. But the air temperature on the day, I mean, I know on the Friday, which was bike checking, it hit 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is somewhere around 34 degrees Celsius. Yeah. I think I don't think it hit that high on race day, but it was definitely in the 30s. Um, yeah. So how did you stay hydrated and fueled throughout the course? well look I don't have it down to specific art yet you know it's kind of trial and error still um given it's only my second second one um was it only your second iron man yeah (laughs) did you not did you not pick that up earlier on it's only my second one (laughs) jeez I'm trying to I don't want people to be taking advice off me when I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing myself Hey, listen, people be like, that's what she did. That's a really good idea. And then, you know, next week I'll be like, no, that was actually a really bad idea. (laughs) Okay, so what Hillary Hughes does isn't necessarily what you should do. Exactly. It comes with a warning. However, I'm intrigued to hear what she actually does do because it's probably sound advice. So, Hillary, over to you again. Um, Okay, so I I use Morton. Uh, I find it really, really good. I basically, you know, just make sure I'm fueled well the days leading into the race. And then um, I had, I think, uh, I drank a Morton before the race, along with a bottle of Coke. Um, and before then the race, you had Coke? Yeah. I told you, this is why I'm putting a qualification asterisk. Maybe I should just not tell the truth and, like, list off someone else's nutrition. <laughs> No, go on, keep going. I'm just surprised at the Coke so early in the day in the race. Go on. Yeah. Well, yeah, I did. I'm like Joe Duffy it's on Liveline. I'm like yeah. Joe Duffy on Liveline. Go on, Hillary, go on. <laughs> okay. So I don't know. What did I do then? So on my bike, I had 
two bottles of like 750 mils with one Morton packet in each. So I think that's about 80 grams of carb. I had my front um, drink container. I don't know the, the lingo for it. And I had another 80 grams of carbs in that. Uh, I had a little bottle of Red Bull on my Aero bottle. <laughs> uh, and I had loads of gels shoved down my top. The plan was to basically try and get in about 80 grams of carbs every 90 minutes um and to stop and to to get water at every aid station um just to to kind of keep on top of the hydration oh I also had some salt tablets that I had in my little bento box or whatever it's called and I probably took about four of those fast chews throughout the race but basically uh, that was all going well until I lost my nutrition the bottles fell off the back along with my um bottle holders so the plan changed a little bit and I basically had to make sure that when the aid stations when I passed the aid stations I got some Gatorade tried to pump that into the front of my bottle geez I was taking everything to be honest because it all changed it all went up in there so I was grabbing cokes smashing them down getting them off before you had to like the finish of the trash I was smashing Red Bull yeah no it was all to be honest it kind of went into saving mode it was like all I know is that I need to get as many carbs and hydration water as I can into me before I start this run. So it became priority at every aid station to slow down and get it in, um, which was a little bit annoying. But, um, you know, this is what happens in races and it, you know, it didn't affect me massively. <laughs> and, and you'd wonder if you hadn't done that, would you have been so strong on the run? Yeah. Oh, definitely. There was there was no two ways about it. That was my priority. I wasn't going to risk not being fueled getting onto that run. So after taking all that sugary crap yeah all the sugar all the gels yeah one how was your stomach <laughs> and two did you actually sleep after the race yeah sleeping after the race is is hard no matter what um my stomach's fine um I had no problem I find the Morton really good for that um, but even the I, mix of the Red Bull the Gatorade the Coke the gels everything but I'm genuinely intrigued because I know there's so I many people suffer constitution it's a, I come from a long line of <laughs> strong stomachs and I'm able to handle it I'd be in the Portuguese I'd actually I'd actually be puking I think with yeah all I, I got away I did get away with murder to be honest but I you know one of those days where you're like I you're just it's going down really well if it had felt like it wasn't going down well I would have had to change my my plan but it was it was just I, I we were absorbing it very very well wow <laughs> that's impressive <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I could ask you now, where did this you, you, you said like, we could edit out some of this, didn't you? No, 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 absolutely no way. There's no editing happening on this episode whatsoever. Which line of the family did the strong constitution come from? I'm joking. Oh, I'm my not mom. asking that question. Oh, your mom? <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to answer that question, but I was going to lead in and ask you a question about your family genes because... Um, a very sporting family. I know that the Hughes in general are a big family and you have some world records or at least your, I think your dad might've been involved in it. Your uncles were definitely involved yeah. in it, uh, with the Dublin yeah. Marathon. Um, yeah. But also, what is it about Westport? I mean, I we know. have the Doherty's, the Gallagher's, the Hughes's. There's yeah. just like a stronghold in, in success in sport from this tiny little fabulous town on the yeah. Wild Atlantic Way in Ireland in Mayo. Yeah, no, and even in cycling, there was Ben Walsh, Owen McLaughlin, who's now a Mayo Ga player, N- Niall, 
uh, he's one of the junior upcoming cyclists. He oh, had, Niall, like, yes, yeah. Fantastic, was... Niall McLaughlin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He had an incredible um, racing at, uh, wasn't it down? Ross Moon. Moon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know what it is. Like, yeah, and there's, like, there's more up and coming. There's a young girl, Abby Conway. Abby, yes. She's going to be a fantastic um, triathlete, if, if, if it so takes her fancy. But even um, if you if you look outside of Westport and you look at Mayo as a county, there's quite a lot yeah. of athletes who have gone down that individual sport route. It's it's per capita per county. You've done very yeah. well. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Must be, uh, the must be the water. It must be the water. There might be a whole lot else to do. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it's the Holy Mountain and all the running up and down the Holy Mountain that you do in Co-Patrick yeah. for your training. Yeah. And the cycling yeah. on the gravel trails. Exactly. It's, it's inspiring out here. You, it's good to be outside. I'm conscious that we've been chatting and laughing for quite a long time now, but um, <laughs> let's talk about Utah. I know that it was your second time racing in Utah because obviously you'd been there for the 70.3 World Championships and they yeah. return this coming October to Utah. And I know that some of the listeners will be going out to Utah or maybe qualify for Utah in the next round of races that are coming up yeah. throughout the 2022 season so if you were to go back out to Utah is there anything you would do differently or are there any pieces of advice you would give the athletes going out there um yeah I've actually had it there seems to be quite a, a group going out already um because I've had a few people in touch with me oh, look I think it's a trip of a lifetime right there so I'd be really excited for anybody that's heading out there anybody who gets offered a slot go for it don't think twice don't be intimidated by you know it's a world champs anything like that get stuck in would be my first thing to say um it's absolutely brilliant if you're thinking about trying to qualify do it <laughs> just try um it'll it'll be an experience of a lifetime because i know there's a number of additional slots for women for try for the 70.3 world championship for female athletes in addition yeah. to the normal slots that go out so it's definitely worth keeping an eye on those as well if you are interested yeah. in qualifying and, you know, you, you never know when you might qualify because um, with roll down and everything. So, you know, I'd encourage anyone to to go out and give it their best on a day. And you just never know if you if you might get a roll down to a slot. So definitely. I think, you know, uh, you'd probably be the same. I think um, getting there, uh, Vegas probably is the best nearest airport. And um, you can either get a, a shuttle up. I use St. George's shuttle or you can rent a car. There is a, a small airport in um St. George as well. I don't know. Did you fly into that? No, I didn't. I heard there was little <laughs> propeller planes flying in there. Yeah. St. George. And I, I thought, like, no, thanks. I'll take a lift from <laughs> Vegas. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then like there's hotels and there's houses, basically, is what I found. You either stay in a hotel within the town, which is pretty good, um, or you can rent a house if there's a few of you. First time I stayed in a hotel, second time I rented a house and I was so glad we rented a house. It was such an experience, but they're a little bit more expensive. Um, And I think then if you do rent a house, you probably want to rent a car um, because they'll be outside of time. First time I was there, I didn't have a car and I managed, you know, the Ironman like supplied a lot of shuttles and everything, which is really helpful down to the lake and down to, you know, different places. Um, But it definitely was helpful having a car this time. So again, maybe something to consider. And then, yeah, get out there early and soak it all in is what I'd say. Um, Go ride the routes a few times, enjoy the landscapes. It's incredible. It's so breathtaking out there. Get some time to go visit Zion Park and, you know, get into town, enjoy the good food, <laughs> get up to Bayo, have some pies. Um, did you did you come across the state liquor store? What? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Utah is a dry state, right? So mm-hmm. um, you can only buy beers in supermarkets. But I had a I had a good Irish crew with me that needed some spirits. <laughs> so we had to find out where you could buy them. And there's only two state liquor stores in the whole of St. George. And, and you need ID no matter what age you are. So top tip, make sure you bring your ID to the state liquor store if you want to buy some nice Napa Valley wine or some spirits. <laughs> that is a very yeah. good tip. I decided not to buy duty free in the Irish airport thinking I could get it in JFK because I flew to Vegas via JFK. But when I got yeah. to JFK, they wouldn't sell me any alcohol because it was on a domestic flight. Now, I can tell you that Paul Kay and Mike Riley were very disappointed (laughs) that they didn't individually get a bottle of whiskey from Ireland. Um, So I had a lot of making up to do. So the the look of disappointment from the two boys was um, they were not impressed. I had a lot of making up to do. And in terms of, I suppose, training for it, then you mentioned as well earlier that when you were training for the full distance, you did a lot of hill training, um, a lot of uh, running hill training specifically, because it is a hilly town. Yeah, so look, if the 70.3 course is the same as the one I did last year, get out in your hills. It's it's significantly more steeper incline and and dis, uh, a descent than it is in the um the full distance. So I think like that was probably the biggest shock to me when I did the 70.3 out there um was just how steep the climbs were and then how steep the descents were and just kind of getting into a rhythm. You're either going up or you're going down. So I definitely recommend like putting that into training um you know fast 2k descents and steep two to three k climbs um and then when you get out there wreck it because you know you're just you're like you're free falling down those descents and you need to know where to go because you're just going you, you can't help it your legs just go so fast no matter what um and i definitely say get out and ride snow canyon as well um and be aware that no matter how easy it feels in the days prior it's going to be hard <laughs> um and then yeah they they're amazing the way they set up the practice swims and stuff aren't they it's so well mm-hmm. done you can go down yeah. to Santalo in the morning they give you a chip it's all organized you get to swim some of the course and then there's also a lot of pools that are open so I went to the Dixie State University for practice swims um there uh, it's in town it's open it's free um it's a really good pool it's a little bit cold but it, and um, I don't say that lightly I had other people agree with me <laughs> the other thing to remember as well if you're going out there is that the it is at altitude and it's a very yeah. dry air it's not like Kona where it's very Absolutely. humid it's completely different and I remember I think it was that Dave Scott and Mark Allen kept saying to people you know you'll be sweating but you won't feel it because the sweat will just evaporate so yeah. you don't realize how much fluid you're losing so that's another important piece as well the the dry air it catches your throat it catches oh, your mouth time. and then yeah. obviously the the racing at altitude as well it's it's um is it nearly it's nearly a thousand meters I think yeah so yeah it's I think 800 up to Something, like one, yeah. one or one two yeah um yeah throughout the right race uh 100% like if you if you can afford to get out there a little bit before time and adapt it does make a difference um and, uh, and I think this time around I it, it made a big difference compared to last race for me if I was to ask you what are you oh. most proud of in all you've achieved since you took up the sport of triathlon and cycling back just those few years ago, (laughs) what would you say has been your biggest achievement or the thing you're most proud of? Oh God, you're kind of catching me off guard. Um, uh, Not being afraid to jump in the deep end. Um, I think that has 
and uh, that has been something that I've learned and you kind of have to uh, start to know yourself and know the reasons why you're doing something and not necessarily worry about what others think uh, and, and getting past those barriers is really difficult um but if you can get to a point where you're not scared to try something new no matter how overwhelming it feels and you give yourself a break and realize that it is going to be hard it is going to feel awkward you are going to feel so out of your depth you're going to wonder what the hell you're doing uh why are you here you'll have imposter syndrome uh, uh and I, I think i you know i say that across sport uh, as well as medicine you know i've, I've had the exact same feelings business everything and um, if you can get to that point, um, then, you know, the world opens up and, and you have so many incredible experiences. Um, not always, you know, some are hard, and but they're learning experiences. So, yeah, I guess I, I'm proud of getting to a point where mostly I'm not scared to jump in the deep end and, and see what the outcome is. And I, I'd love for everybody else to 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 get to that point as well, in, no matter what the endeavour is. It could be getting out for your first 1K walk just like to be able to to break through that barrier and go for it <laughs> and speaking of diving in at the deep end is there anything mm. you'd like to share with us about <laughs> potentially your future in sport um uh yeah I mean like you know I gotta practice what I preach um I am considering going racing pro basically um I've got the qualification uh, I'm under no illusion. It's a massive step up. I will be dropped like a hot rocket or whatever they say um, <laughs> in that first hundred meters in the swim. I know that. Um, and it's really intimidating, you know, knowing that going in. But I've been there before. You know, my first Ralston man dropped, uh, you know, other races dropped. Um, but it can only get better. So, you know, I I wouldn't, even though it's a massive step up, I still wouldn't do it lightly um, if I didn't think I have a chance of at least representing well because you know when you go pro it's more about your country and your people uh, your people <laughs> but the people who are interested and care about the sport you know it you're you are representing more than just yourself and um, so I'd really love to do it I think it's a massive challenge um, and you know jump in and uh, see what happens and give it my best and if my best isn't good enough then make peace with that and if it is good enough then long may it continue <laughs> and what, was, what was the saying we had we're going all in we're going all in, all in. We're going all in. <laughs> and you know what you, you talk about having the courage to um to step up and to do things that's a massive step to to take to dive into becoming a professional yeah. triathlete but you're in good company because if you look at Katrina Matthews who finished second in the world on Saturday don't even don't yeah, even put me no, in that league no that but girl look, is at where like... she, look at where she has come from as well you look at Ruth yeah, she's Astle. a phenomenal phenomenal yeah. person <laughs> but, you, but you'll also look at Ruth Astle as well who was the overall age group world champion in Kona in 2019 she turned yeah. pro in the middle of Covid and she yeah. finished fifth in the world in her first world championships as as a professional athlete be lying if I said that I don't look at those women and go wow and you know maybe maybe but you know it's all about getting the right people around and getting stuck in and those girls like they're insane and it's, <laughs> so, and it's great to have them to look up to as well absolutely think, yeah you know the, they've shown that it can be done in quick succession yeah. um yeah. and your career is only starting out when you think about it yeah. as well you're only a wet week in the sport yeah. of triathlon um yeah. so it's absolutely fantastic and I cannot Thanks, wait <laughs> to see you at your first professional 
race if that happens if when it yeah. happens i'm sure I it think I, if, if, it, if it does happen uh which hopefully it will and soon uh I'm, i'll make sure you're on the line <laughs> <laughs> no, pressure, go a bit faster. <laughs> no pressure um i also want to ask you um i know we've mentioned kat and and ruth and um we mentioned christian blumenfeld earlier on they're all big names in sport but bring it home bring it back more local hillary who oh, yeah. inspires you to be the best athlete that you can be do you know um there is such a wealth <laughs> of athletes in Ireland across every sport um that you you can you can name I I I don't know maybe I'm easily inspired I don't think I am well, well I don't know but like as I said to you basically anybody who gets stuck in and goes outside their comfort zone in any aspect I find really motivating and I really genuinely do buzz off that but if we're talking at the the elite end of the sport there's there's just a rake of women in Ireland and men that are really inspiring um I think particularly you know uh I would have looked up to say the greats like John Tracy or Sonia Sullivan um you know they're accessible I've, I've met both of them and just in Ireland having those type of people accessible to you is really amazing to get to talk to them and see what they've done um and then you know I'm really lucky to have uh, a really close friend who I got to watch in action preparing for the Olympics um and Lisa Murphy I mean to see the the grind and the perfection and the overcoming obstacles that that woman has done um, and you know she's a silver medalist like it it, it just it's it has been a, an absolute honor to be around her um, and watch her in action um, and you just you absorb so much from people like that then I had Eve McChrystal who was a mentor to me when I started out cycling you know that the the generosity of her time and her explaining things to me but getting her dad to pay for my first I didn't bring numbers to my first bike race so Eve asked her dad to pony up a fiver um so that I could borrow some numbers do you know like it's little things like that um I uh, there's just like Rachel Blackmore breaking through barriers no more than yourself uh being the first female iron woman global speaker I just I'm kind of annoyed because we made a deal that we would talk a little bit more about what you've achieved <laughs> considering you've broken down barriers you really won up for the woman and you were amazing out in Utah and it's only getting bigger and better for you too don't so. make me cry now, Hilary Hughes, because when we met on the Monday morning and I went up to give you a hug after the ceremony, the two of us had tears running down our faces because we were so excited and so happy. So don't make me cry in my own podcast. But has it, has it sunk in? <laughs> like, I, I won't, I, I just, I mean, it's incredible. It's so I, exciting. Yeah, it's it's mad. It's kind of um, like this time last week we were out at the bike check in check in. We probably yeah. met this time last week. Um, yeah. I was at bike check in. Um, it, it, it kind of it kind of has and it kind of hasn't it definitely was a huge honor to be invited to be part of that team and you're right you're breaking down barriers and you're breaking down glass ceilings and yeah you know at the women for try breakfast Paula Newby Fraser who is the queen of Ironman eight-time Ironman yeah. world champion 24 championship titles at Ironman I mean she introduced me to the room and I, I was shaking getting up on the stage <laughs> And I didn't know what to say or what to do or whatever. What? But you didn't know what to say? I know, I was speechless. But, you know, when you think back at it, there's a huge responsibility on being the first to do anything and to try and pave the Absolutely. way for others 
to follow. And I really resonate with what you said about having the courage to step up and the courage to yeah. do things. And there's a huge amount of imposter syndrome and you think you're yeah. not good enough and you do things and you think, oh my God, that was stupid or, or it was just the wrong thing to do, or maybe it was the right thing to do, or yeah. you just never really know, but you just keep, um, yeah. and not there's an inner belief in you yeah, and you a, an of, inner, you know, yeah, and, you know you're on the right path Joanne it's it's you're blazing a trail it's uh, really and, like, and, and coming from a small country like you know it's not an American like female it's an Irish woman is the first Ironman global announcer like that it's incredible like when you put <laughs> and I did think that a couple of times I was like here we yeah. are I'm from Cork I'm living in Galway on this little yeah. island yeah and like you, you just have to pinch yourself and then yeah. you kind of take a step back and you go okay so I need to do this I need to do it properly I need to be the best version of myself Absolutely. um when you're there when you're because you're not only representing yourself you're representing your country you're representing yeah. your tri-club you're representing all the women that would love to be in this position and yeah. even the men that would have loved to have been yeah. in, in that position to have been part of the team um, and we have some incredible female and male announcers around the world that yeah. I am just yeah. so lucky to work with and then I have to give a huge kudos to Mike Riley and Paul Kay, who've been huge advocates of mine Fantastic. all throughout the years. And the amount of support. At your, why wouldn't they be? I know. But, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's like you surround, no, you I know. Of course. surrounding yourself with a great team. You've got your coach. Yeah. Paul Kay is a huge support to me throughout um, since we started working with each other many years ago. Same at Mike Riley. We clicked. We had fun. We enjoyed each other's company. And he's been a huge support as well. But then even the wider team at Ironman like it's really daunting I'm Joanne Murphy from Ireland going into the world championships meeting all the Ironman team like I know people probably wow. think like ah yeah she's grand but you do get pretty nervous and it's daunting oh, when you're out there and you see what you're doing I just like how is that woman operating at that level it's <laughs> insane but I let you in a little secret so on the Thursday morning I did the all-world athlete breakfast so it was Ben Hoffman yeah. Mark Allen Dave Scott and Julie Moss. So Ben Hoffman, fourth at the Ironman World Championships in 2019. He'd won Ironman Texas two weeks previously. He'd won Ironman St. George. Incredible athlete. You have Mark yeah. Allen and Dave Scott, six-time Ironman World Champions, legends in their own right. And you have Julie <laughs> Moss, who like crawled across the finish line in 1982 in second position. So I had to interview them. Now we had a team and we had questions and it was all kind of done already. But I'm telling you, I was so nervous. <laughs> I hadn't slept for three or four days properly because of jet lag. Oh, I was probably getting about imagine. four hours sleep. And on the Wednesday night going to bed, I was like, okay, I might've had too many whiskeys there now, but I think I'll get up at five in the morning to do some research and to make sure I have all this done. There was no reason oh for me to get up at five o'clock in the morning. We weren't on stage. We weren't on stage until, um, I think it was half eight, but yeah. I just myself, it was like that lack of, it was almost like, oh God, can't, will I be able to do this? Will I mess it yeah. up? It was my first time flying solo. You're, front and center with the so world intimidating and you're just like oh my god but it was it was a buzz it was such a buzz and we had Carissa Galloway as well who was there um as part of the announcing team for the first couple of days she helped with iron kids and things like that as well and she was there and it was just lovely to have the female support and the whole event was run by the girls so there was a real Class. sense of camaraderie and community between us as well and you just wanted to be the best you could be and that's yeah. all whether you're an athlete, whether you're an announcer, no matter what you do. That's it, isn't it? You just want to be the best you can be. And yeah, um, yeah I'm going to get emotional now when I think back about no, what we did. I'll get emotional too. <laughs> <laughs> the giddy girls finish the podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> be the first 
time I cried on my own, the first time I cried on my own podcast. I've made plenty of people cry over the years, over the last few years. Um, but no, yes. I'm not And the one thing I would say to anybody who you know is is daunted or scared about doing something, just bloody do it like just have yeah. the courage it's the same with stepping up to do an Ironman you know even qualifying for the world championships like you said you know just if you can afford to do it if you can do it if you can give it the time if you can give it your best shot if it's something that there's a burning desire inside of you to achieve this then just go and do it yeah don't worry about um, take, anything else yeah, except just take the steps just blinkers on and give it a go and as Gavin Noble said in the interview we did with him a while ago he goes nobody gives a shit Joanne nobody's it's actually so watching true. what you're doing <laughs> yeah. and I have to admit when you started talking about what you were doing I was like mm, Gavin Noble must have been talking to Hillary because nobody cares everyone's watching no. their own path their That's own piece you get yeah. a glance from somebody you get whatever yeah. on social media that's all fine, but everybody is so focused on their own stuff that nobody really gives a crap what anybody else is doing. Unless it's on a street, you know, unless there's yeah. specifics around it. But in a general sense of the term, just go about your business, be the best you can be, and the world is your oyster. And anything is possible. <laughs> anything is possible. <laughs> um, but before we finish up, because we've been talking for ages, so if people are still yeah. actually listening to us, I think. Wow. This That's podcast. an Iron Man in itself. <laughs> yeah. So the last time I interviewed someone where I giggled as much as I giggled was Nikki Bartlett in 2019. And we giggled the whole way through it. Um, Okay, so before we finish up, I do have some questions that came in Mm -hmm. from some of the audience. Uh, One of the first ones actually was, um, and I think we've kind of covered it, but uh, Mike Moriarty says, has she had to take much time out of work to train at such a high level? Yeah, I think, as I said, I've forgotten jumping on a GP scheme um at the moment but o- overall throughout life I've kind of balanced it up until this point and now sport is just getting a little bit more attention um but I'm still tipping away on the side so yeah it's a balancing act <laughs> okay and Joachlan Dearmid how does she manage her day job and train at that level without injury and what is your favorite part of triathlon well when I was working full-time up until last summer it was really um it is. You have to be really careful. You have to. You really have to listen to your body. You have to know when today is not a day to train, um, and you just make that call. Um, if you're feeling particularly tired, a bit run down, if you're a bit sore, um, I, I, I would always be operating on the cautious end because um, I feel like consistency is definitely better than you know big sessions. So um, I think that's the easiest way to to just be a little bit extra cautious of yourself if you are working and training at the same time um, and to watch out for signs of potential danger, injury coming down the road. <laughs> and what's your favourite workout? Like, what is your favourite across the room bike and run? If you were, if you had a choice on any given day, what would you do? A hands down on my road bike, VO2 efforts up a climb. Um, Did you just say VO2 efforts? Yeah. Oh. Oh, every day, give it to me every day, especially if the girls are out, get Becky and Lise. Uh, go smash up some climbs like keel over and go again love it (laughs) Uh, Ronan Kieran asks um, will Annalise Murphy go from super supporter to triathlon newbie and take on an Ironman now Annalise Mm. there's a challenge for you well Annalise has done multiple Ironmans actually and a marathon this year yes this girl does it all But I am trying to rope her into maybe an Ironman in Ireland. She'll kill me for putting that out there. But she, we made a little pact that if was that I, like our pact, was it? <laughs> yeah. 
if I go if I if I do go pro then she has to do an Ironman in Ireland so at least you made the pact for me I'm calling you out um I know she'll definitely do one at some stage um and yeah she's smashing it up on the bike at the moment on Tuesdays in Cork Park um I'd say she might give I know time trial nationals are going in she was fifth in it last year even though she had COVID um all sorts of crazy things so and I think you should nominate her to be the next guest on the podcast I nominate you, least to be the next guest on the podcast and have way more crack and more interesting things to say than I. <laughs> Honestly, her stories, like I've been friends with her for years now and I still, uh, my jaw drops listening to some of her stories. Volvo Ocean Race, get her on, talk about it. That is, that is endurance. And my <laughs> final question, very yeah. last final question is, what are you most looking forward to in the season ahead? Um... I am looking forward to trying to actually go hard in some of these longer races and not be like just the only mission is to go hard and see how long I can last. Now, with the caveat that like you're not going into the red and and completely annihilating yourself, but like trying to race faster, trying to race harder, trying to see what the limits are, trying to see when do I break down and you know can't handle it anymore and um, I'm excited to do that and uh, I think it'll be a bit of a journey I think I'll probably blow up a few times and be like oh okay that's too far but uh you know that gets me that definitely gets me excited well yeah. I am definitely looking forward to seeing where the path <laughs> leads our Hillary Hughes from Westport Tri Club congratulations on everything you've achieved so far I am so glad that we had to wait until now to do the podcast because yeah. it was just the perfect time enjoy the rest of your weekend enjoy the rest of recovery I can't wait to see you on a finish line and best of luck with everything. I'm so proud of you. Well done. Thanks so much, Joanne. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. You can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by and say hi and let me know what you think of the show. If you are new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be impressed and inspired by our guests. Finally, be sure to sign up to our new e-zine featuring articles of interest, some great discounts and the inside track on supporting your triathlon and endurance sport journey wherever it may take you. Sign up on www.trytalkingsport.com. It takes 30 seconds and I promise I won't bombard your inbox with emails, just the important stuff. Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day. Oh, 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 oh,